The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician. Welcome to Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and we're talking about the American Diabetes Association recognized Diabetes Month today. Joining me is Pam Hartzell. She is a certified diabetes care and education specialist at Memorial Hospital in the Memorial Hospital Health and Wellness Center. Pam, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Tell us a little bit about National Diabetes Awareness Month. What month is that, and why is it? Do we know why it's this particular month? Well, November is American Diabetes Month, and that is the American Diabetes Association has always recognized November as American Diabetes Month. This year, they are basically focusing in on prediabetes. Well, then let's talk right about that. Tell listeners what is prediabetes and how do they even know if they have it? Well, prediabetes is where the glucose, blood sugar, is higher than normal, but not high enough yet to be uh, in the criteria for diagnosing diabetes. So it is higher than normal glucose, but not yet called diabetes. Prediabetes is serious. It's a serious health condition that puts people at an increased risk for developing diabetes. Well, what does somebody do? So first of all, how would they know? What would even send them to the doctor? Is there a screening? Is there something that tells us that you have prediabetes? And are there any symptoms? How do we know? Well, that's that's the thing. <laughs> prediabetes affects, you know, one in three U.S. adults, and that's about 88 million people. But most of them don't know they have it because many don't recognize symptoms and many don't have symptoms. So that is why the American Diabetes Association wants to call people to action by increasing their awareness of prediabetes so that they might take diabetes risk test. Um, they can either do it online or they can do the paper test. They have that on their website, which is diabetes.org. Um, one of the things that we have been doing here at Memorial is we've been doing the A1C screening, which is a small finger stick blood test, and to see where that A1C is. The A1C is like an average glucose over the previous two to three months, um, and that should be at a normal level. And if it's in the criteria, which is in the diabetes criteria, there's a diabetes criteria and a pre-diabetes. So that's one way people can tell if they're not symptomatic and many are not. Well, what's the difference when we go to our doctors? Sometimes they tell us to fast and they take that fasting glucose, a glucose tolerance test, any of those things. What's the difference between A1C and a fasting blood glucose? A fasting blood glucose is another way that uh, they can diagnose prediabetes and diabetes. 
Um, however, you have to fast, and that's sometimes difficult for people. So the A1C, that is short really for hemoglobin A1C, that's the amount of glucose that is attached to the red blood cells hemoglobin. Uh, to not get too technical, it's just an average blood test to kind of, or it's a blood test that just kind of gives an averaging how much has that glucose been attached. And there is a normal range, and then there's a criteria uh, range range like 5.7 to 6.4 is in the pre-diabetes category and 6.5 and higher is in the diabetes category. So tell us about Memorial Hospital and the services that you offer to help patients that are getting diagnosed with pre-diabetes and you know teach us about self-management education and the support that you offer. We do have um, an ADA-recognized um, certified diabetes program, and services that we provide are just what you mentioned, uh, self-management, education, and care, and support. Uh, we provide resources for pre-diabetes um, diabetes type 1 and 2, those with gestational diabetes. Many of the services we do is we sit down and we individualize care for people um, so that it meets their needs. Um, and then we we go from there. We help people kind of take some small steps in improving their health through healthy eating, through uh, physical activity, also helping them just kind of learn various things that affect the blood sugar because that's that's part of it as well. And then helping them with any other tools that they might need to kind of do their self-management. One of the things that I have been involved in is doing the professional CGM, which is the continuous glucose monitoring. Um, and then more recently, uh, Folks have seen a little more information about continuous glucose monitoring on TV and, and their friends and things. And so I've been instructing people and helping them with learning the personal continuous glucose monitoring and then to know what to do with those results so that they can then take that information, that data, and help you know improve their diabetes management and help them be able to learn what to do a little bit better with some more information. Well, I think keeping track of data is so important, especially with diabetes and you healthcare providers really rely on that information from patients, right? So tell us a little bit more, expand for us, what is continuous glucose monitoring? How does a patient do that? Continuous glucose monitoring is where it is continuous and we're measuring glucose actually from the interstitial fluid, not from the blood. So it is it is measuring continuously every five minutes. And so therefore you not only know the glucose, but you also know um, the variability and the excursions of the glucose, whether it is going up or going down and how fast is it going up and going down. So there are predictive alerts. So folks can have that information, say if the blood sugar is falling, they'll be alerted and then they can prevent hypoglycemia, which is low blood glucose, and not have to have those symptoms and feel, uh, feel that way and then also prevent some medical emergencies that way. So who should get tested, Pam? Who should talk to their doctors about getting an A1C test or a fasting glucose? Who, who do you think is really at risk and 
what should they be saying to their doctors? Is this something the doctors will bring up themselves or do they advocate for themselves? It is really a good idea to just in general advocate for yourself. You to know if you are a little more at risk for prediabetes is one of those, you know, you can look at the test and some of the things that it asks you on that diabetes risk test kind of gives you that information. You know, if you've had a mother, father, sister, or brother with diabetes, you know, a family history of diabetes, then there is that increased risk. Uh, for developing prediabetes or diabetes. If a woman has had gestational diabetes, um, that too increases the risk. If somebody is sedentary and so they're not physically active, if they are overweight, um, those things all coming together uh, does increase risk for diabetes, especially if there is a family history of diabetes. Well, thank you for telling us those risk factors, because that's how people can identify. And as you say, be their own best health advocate. And if their doctor doesn't bring this up, they bring it up themselves and ask if they are at risk. So how do they get involved in your program? Do they need a referral from a doctor? Tell us how that works. Well, really for anything, for the A1C screening, uh, we do those out in the community. But even to to come in and talk to us, they can self-refer. Um, we have a certified program, so that means that insurances do cover and have benefit for them to come. So we will initiate that physician referral. But if somebody's just interested or if they just have questions, they can just give us a call and, and self-refer and just say they're interested and they want to come in and then we can take it from there. And what's it like? What's the program like? You mentioned that you help them with eating. Do you talk about exercise? Because exercise has an insulin-like effect and it can really help when you're trying to manage prediabetes and stop it from becoming full-blown diabetes. So tell us what you do there. How do you work with them? Well, we start with wherever they are. Um, so that is that is the key to find that out and take some time. And just that first initial time of getting together is uh, just talking to people and seeing what they have going on and what, what matters to them, what they would like to gain from our sessions, um, what they need the most help with as far as if, say, if they have diabetes. So if, um, if they're struggling with something, then we'll focus in on that. So our, our our program in healthcare in general has become much, much more person-centered. So just kind of zeroing in on where they are right then, seeing what oh, they're doing already and just building on that. So small steps for improvement. Small steps for improvement. Do you have any final thoughts before we go to break? What you would like listeners to know about the recognized National Diabetes Month, the awareness, being their own best advocate and getting involved in the program at Memorial Hospital? Well, first of all, I think awareness is key. So knowing your risk, knowing if you are at risk. So the first thing is that. So becoming aware if you're at risk. So either take the online test or take a paper test, which we we do bring those to our A1C screenings um, or have the A1C screening in the community. As a matter of fact, we're having one tomorrow, November 3rd, at the Focus Fitness event from 4 to 6. And uh, kind of keep in mind, it's just a little finger stick and it is free. It's a free screening. 
This is such great information. Can you tell us a little bit about the significance of having a month of awareness? Why that's so important so that people know to make those changes, that they can recognize a National Diabetes Month and know these changes and learn more about it. Tell us about your community screenings. Our community screenings are where we do the A1C screening. We set up our little booth, and uh, many times they're in in another segment of a health fair. Um, it's very simple process. You just come come up, sit down, and um, we gather just a little bit of information just so that we can contact you if we need you to you know, take this information to your provider, but we go ahead and we just poke your finger. It basically takes six minutes to get the result. So it's something very quick. Um, We have an analyzer that does the screening. And so then uh, we have an informational educational piece that I go over with you just so that you realize this is your result. This is the preferred level. And I let you know right then if it's in the preferred level or if it is elevated. And then we talk a little bit about uh, ways to help improve on that. Well, then let's talk a little bit about that. If somebody tells you that you do have prediabetes, What's the first line of defense, Pam? What is the first thing that you do with someone who's just gotten this information? Lifestyle, it's kind of been proven over the years that if somebody has prediabetes, um, just by making some healthy lifestyle changes, it's possible to manage prediabetes and even reverse prediabetes and help prevent it from turning into type 2 diabetes. Well, I think one of the biggest confusions that I have heard as an exercise physiologist for 30 years is people say, oh, I've been told I have prediabetes, carbs, can't eat any more carbs, carbs, carbs. They hear this word, they think all carbs are created equal and that they're all bad, (laughs) right? But that's not true. And I would tell people, you know, you're not going to get blood sugar issues if you eat a carrot, or a tomato, and people don't understand the difference between those good and bad carbs. Please, Pam, tell us the difference here. Clear that up for everybody. (laughs) I am the nurse in our team, not the dietitian. However, um, you are right. People do come in with a lot of misinformation, um, even if it's been very well intentioned by friends and family. Um, you know, they, they just feel like they've heard carbs are bad, and so then they restrict too much. And that's that can be harmful as well. Um, so I, you know, just in general, talk about the fact that people do need good nutrition. And that's why in our program, they see the dietitian. Uh, the dietitian, Ashlyn Housewright, is our dietitian. And she, you know, goes over uh, the nutrition that they will need. And it is also individualized because not everybody's um, meal plan would be the same. But also going over what are carbohydrates? Uh, what food sources are they in? How can I know if I'm taking in what I need? And so you, they are given a guideline. The meal plan is basically a guideline on how many carbohydrates to have with meals and snacks. But you're right. Many, many people come in feeling like the carbohydrates are the enemy and that they can't have any. And that's very hard, especially, you know, as adults, we learn preferences and we certainly don't want to give up those things that we like. And that's the other thing that we teach people to do is to have those things that they like, but how to have them so there's less impact on the blood sugar. 
How often should people check their blood sugar? And by the way, thank you for answering that because it is a question that's so often heard. And you're right, there's a lot of information out there that is is going around that people don't understand. Some of it is not great. That's why they come to the professionals such as yourself at Memorial Hospital to get that quality information. How often do you tell them if they've been diagnosed with prediabetes that they should be checking their blood sugar? How often should they be recognizing what's going Going on. If it were up to me, I would have people checking, you know, often. Um, however, there are so many constraints to that very thing for self-monitoring of blood excuse me, blood glucose. Uh, many times it comes down to their insurance coverage for supplies and the test strips for finger stick blood glucose, the test strips can be pretty pricey. Um if somebody does not have coverage for their testing supplies. So many times what ends up, if somebody is on oral tablets or diet control only, they might be um, prescribed one time per day. But then I help them kind of get more bang for their buck, so to speak, more information out of that one time a day testing. And that's something that um, I'm able to help people with. I think one of the other things that I know that you discuss with people as a nurse, if they are told they have prediabetes or full-blown diabetes, that they need to not only control their blood sugar, but there are other comorbidities, things that go along with diabetes, blood pressure, heart disease risk, eye health and foot health, all of these things. Tell us how your program at Memorial Hospital encompasses all of these things for a well-rounded approach. I uh, really appreciate you asking that uh, because that is that is so true that uh, some of those behind-the-scenes things that we do, um, and it is part of that comprehensive diabetes self-management education programming, is that it isn't just about blood sugar, even though that's very, very important. Uh, but it's also about, like you mentioned, lipids. When somebody has higher lipids, the cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL and LDL, that puts people at risk for heart disease. And we know that somebody who has diabetes are already two times at risk for heart attack and stroke. So we must be also looking at hypertension, high blood pressure, uh, and the lipids, the cholesterol picture. And so that's something that I also um, talk to people about in that first session and then um, any ongoing session just to kind of see where they are on those preventative exams. And also part of our tracking is to see uh, what those labs look like and are they improving and, and that type of thing. Sure. And you help them as they learn more, because that's really what this is all about, right? It's a learning and education. I know we've used that word a couple times, but for people that are living with diabetes or pre-diabetes trying to stave it off, it's really all about the education, yes? It is, because unless you know about something, it's hard to put anything into action. 
and then how to go about it, how to get started. Um, so that's why in the very, very beginning, we do take the time to find out what matters to them. What are they struggling with right now regarding diabetes or if they have prediabetes? What do they do now? And help them just get started on lifestyle activities that's going to help improve on the glucose and help decrease risk for progression to diabetes. Okay, so if you had to, in just two or three minutes, wrap it up and say to the listeners, when we talk about lifestyle, behaviors, these comorbidities, complications from diabetes, really awareness. And we're talking about November as Diabetes Awareness Month, recognized by the American Diabetes Association. If you had to put it in a nice little package, Pam, and also letting them know about self-management education and support the services that you offer at Memorial Hospital, what would you say, what do you say every single day to people? And I think I said this last time in our interview, but I still, it's so true. We just want people to know our services are available so they don't have to try to figure it out on their own so that they can um, get to goal so much sooner and prevent poor outcomes because the sooner glucose is controlled, so the sooner diabetes is in control, the better outcomes they'll have moving forward. Um, so they do not have to go it alone. That's what we're here for. We're here as a resource to provide information, to provide you know technology, which helps them um, become more empowered because they have more information to go on. And then also resources. It takes all of that. And so it's, it's, it's a big task and it can be super daunting. But that's what we're here for, is to kind of help people just get started and to help them understand diabetes better and its self-management. And how do they get in touch with you, Pam? Our phone number uh, to call me on this phone is 217-357-6816. And they can get in touch with you. And, and I just want to reiterate for the listeners, they don't need a referral, right? I mean, maybe they found out from a community screening or from their doctor, but they don't need a referral to get involved in your self-management and education program at Memorial Hospital, right? Not to initiate it. They can just call us and we can talk about what they're you know, wanting to do. And then for our actual services, uh, we would initiate that referral through their healthcare provider. So we work with their healthcare providers. Well, go ahead and give us the phone number one more time. Okay, 217-357-6816. Thank you so much, Pam. What an informative and excellent educator you are. Thank you for helping us today. That concludes this episode of Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. For more health tips, you can visit our website at mhtlc.org to get connected with one of our providers. We'd like to thank our audience and always invite you, once this is a podcast, to download, subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you might listen to podcasts. Remember, the experts at Memorial Hospital are here to help us and give us their great quality information. So share this show. Tell your friends about it. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.
The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician.